0: dwells hair and then we're moving by the pack so we moving them and even if you don't then you do because you cool with them they be like I only went to school with them Let's get it.
1: three two one Welcome to Color Correction, a Jesusy podcast about race and faith from the perspective of an Asian guy, a black girl, and a white guy, too.
0: Whoa, you did that so good! No, there were (laughs) no giggles! Yeah, I
1: I went right into that, and it would have been perfect, but then Beth (laughs) had to point out that I did it well. (laughs) Next time. Um, My name is Andrew, I am Asian, I use he-him pronouns.
0: And my name's Bethany, I'm black, I use she-her pronouns.
2: And I'm Chris, I'm white, and I use he-him pronouns
1: uh so we're we're back in the studio yeah yeah. this this week um and um yeah this is this is fun the energy is there we got if you hear clicking in the background it's because we've got a photographer here
0: (laughs) we are so fancy yeah Yeah, shout shout out to dave
2: defantorum yeah um the photographer with the most Uh he's
0: waving you all can't see it radio
1: (laughs) Uh, So we like to start off our podcast by talking about things we wish we had mentioned or want to bring up from last time. Uh, uh, One thing, I guess I'll bring this up. One thing that I did mention last time but I had to cut out for time was something that we might be touching on again this episode, which Mm -hmm. which was when I mentioned that attorneys typically and speaking as an attorney, typically have limited imaginations to imagine alternatives to the system mm-hmm. because we're very used to thinking about the practicalities of why something won't work. So I think I was thinking about how like, an attorney might look at Chauvin's verdict and be like, all the parts of the justice machine worked. The prosecution did its job. The mm-hmm. defense did its job. The jury did its job. And it produced a just outcome. So, mm-hmm. so that we should be happy with this. And I do think that's the trap of being a lawyer and being trained to think Mm -hmm. in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you lose that imaginative aspect that can push you beyond just like what we have is what we have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So uh, I, I, I cut that out for time. Wes was so good, though.
0: Wes was amazing. We have to bring him back again That episode was so hard to
1: edit because, like, he has this, like... I was listening... I had serious vocal jealousy, like, vocal envy listening to him. His voice is smooth. So soothing. I feel like I have, like, a kind of anxious voice. But Wes is like the opposite. He just has a smooth, calm voice. I
0: feel like you have a really good radio voice too,
2: and you've got me. So like, there's always there's always someone more anxious
1: sounding than you on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, Wes, that voice. Yeah, for that voice alone, we need him. We need need him. him Yeah, so great. Yeah.
0: I wanted to uh, add a caveat to what Wes was into. So the last time we recorded, he said that he was into promising. It's weird looking at you guys in person. I keep looking down. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he said that he was into promising young woman. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. So the next day I watched it. That is definitely Chris you just I think you just said this. It's definitely a white woman's revenge. fantasy. absolutely. There were so many elements to it that I was like, I would not have that access as a black woman. I've had experiences like that as a black woman, like just being treated like shit. And there's no avenue of revenge for me. Mm -hmm. I just, like, internalize it. It actually made me angry. Right. It didn't get really interesting to me until the last 30 minutes of the movie. And then I was like, oh, this is a wild, like, interesting story. But, like, the first hour and a half, I was just Mm -hmm. like, this white lady's kind (laughs) of (laughs) crazy. And this could never work out for me.
1: So, Um, like, is it a movie that you didn't enjoy or is it a bad movie?
0: I did not enjoy it. Uh I actually felt like a lot of the movies that were nominated this year for the Oscars were Uh kind of weak. Really? Yeah. Mm. Minari was good. I watched half of that.
1: You watched half of Minari? I
0: know. And then I rented it for 1999 (laughs) and still didn't finish it in time. What?
1: Because Good Morning America was back on. (laughs)
2: You have to watch it. I do love movie. Michael
0: Strahan. She doesn't miss a minute of that. Yeah, I think I'm going to buy it again cuz I want to watch all of great. it. It's great.
1: It was a deeply affecting movie for me. But I'm I'm I am curious about your reaction to Promising Young Woman though. It's because like you felt like it was uh specifically a white woman's revenge fantasy. I
0: did. I could not relate to it.
1: I I haven't actually... I haven't seen Promising Young Woman. Watch it and
0: tell me what you think. Okay. I did think one element was interesting. So there were certain guys that... um, caused harm to her mm-hmm. that were, like, characters that we're used to. Like, McLovin is in that movie.
3: Okay.
0: Um, and I thought that was an interesting element to illustrate how, like, it's men that you know that, mm-hmm. like, cause sexual harm, right? Mm-hmm. Like, e- it could even be McLovin. And, you know and, and some
2: of it is probably, like, a redux of all the things we thought were funny, like, in the 80s and
1: 90s in movies.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, that's interesting. I didn't think of it that way. Right. Yeah, that could be it as well.
1: Yeah, well, um, this should be a it, color correction reviews movies that two thirds of them haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, we're doing great. So, have you have you not seen the the other movie that Wes was into?
0: What was
2: the other
0: movie? Um, I may destroy you. Oh, that's a TV show. It's a TV it? show. I've yeah, heard good things about that. Yeah. I've heard good things. Too.
2: Wes
1: decided. Wes post episode did decide to walk back his recommendation <laughs> of promising you a woman so this- in favor of I may destroy you. Yeah. Uh, so, so this is the asterisk to the asterisk. Right. <laughs> okay, so what we wanted to discuss today um, is something that's been coming up in a bunch of different areas of our lives, specifically the idea of prison abolition. Mm-hmm. But I want to get into that by kind of connecting it to some th- stuff that we've all, well, that we've been wrestling with. Yeah, totally. That I've been wrestling with That I know Chris has been wrestling with in the context of the defense hub. Mm-hmm. Chris, you want to frame it for us?
2: Yeah. Um so we our our role in participatory defense is to support people with open criminal cases, um to navigate the system, um and to help them get better outcomes. It's it's just a really um it's a very like on the ground like way to challenge the the notion that um people with criminal cases are somehow sidelined in the process. Um so we 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 have in the past discussed and come to the agreement that it doesn't matter who walks through our door. We're going to support mm-hmm. whoever comes in, whatever charge they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm realizing just how old an agreement that was when I look around this room now, and I realize that like none of uh, none of the volunteers that are there now actually were part of that discussion, mm-hmm. which might factor I in. Want to revisit? Yeah. It. yeah, absolutely. The thing that's going on in Philly right now um, is. It, like our our gun violence is up even more than usual which is really sad um and guns enter the enter the picture in some of the people's cases that we support mm-hmm. um in a in a conversation where none of the participants were there um the prevalence of guns came up
1: mm-hmm. um among the volunteers you guys were talking yeah, about yeah
2: yeah and just like a lot of a lot of us were were grieving mm-hmm. the this this thing that's happening some of some of our volunteers want to see stronger laws to control guns of mm-hmm. all kinds not just um like AR15s was like the one of the guns that came up this like automatic raf- rifle that's like been a feature of many mass shootings mm-hmm. um but also just like stronger laws to um regulate regulate guns period yeah um it wasn't any any more specific than that and i i feel like i probably need to go back and have like a more personal conversation with a few people i i i definitely pushed the other way which is to say Mm -hmm. that i am concerned about guns i i I don't like them i don't have a gun i never will Mm -hmm. um and I get concerned about the way legislation in general, no matter what the quote unquote crime is um how how the systems and and the system actors don't actually come down equally on on how they enact those mm-hmm. laws and who they punish
1: yeah so there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack there, but uh what I thought was interesting about your description of that was that in participatory defense, you're there in order to support people who have been charged in criminal cases absolutely and in, and then in the in the context of this discussion, a lot of the volunteers were talking about comfort with legislation that would actually get more people in into the criminal system is that right
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. um because we are so comfortable with mm-hmm. this with this legislative system, it is what we know
0: It's the only thing that we've ever had, mm-hmm. so it's really hard for people to imagine there being accountability any other way
1: right, yeah um yeah, and again, chris, like as part we are part of a peace church, so language about like. Making guns, the anti-gun language mm-hmm. in yeah, our church, we traffic and yeah, you know, it's 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 in a lot of our stuff, and also <laughs> yeah. generally. One of our we're pastors
0: got arrested for protesting guns before he before he was right. a pastor when he was younger, but mm-hmm. yeah, like
2: um, I yeah. don't know
0: if that's something that he actually says, but I always think <laughs> uh-huh. it's. Cool.
2: I mean, way way back in the day, probably like over ten years ago, um, we had a we had a community called Shalom House. One of the one of the things that they did is they partnered with an organization called um, Heeding God's Call, um, and they protested outside um, a local gun shop for mm-hmm. I think it was weeks um, to protest yeah. this particular place that was selling a lot of guns without doing proper um, background checks. Mm-hmm.
0: Did they camp out in front or something?
2: They went in the store. Yeah,
1: it, it was like a big deal. It was yeah. like a really inspiring they, thing. They that actually. Happened. And they were able shut to get that it shut it down. down.
2: Um, I mm-hmm. think. I think because what actually happened is enough tension, uh, enough attention was pointed in that direction that they looked into the person's taxes, and they actually got mm-hmm. like they actually
1: got taken down for like business practices. Yeah. Oh,
0: interesting. Yeah.
1: But yeah, it, precisely. But that so it, it doesn't surprise me that a lot of the volunteers of the hub, which is associated with the church, express those ideas because those are ideas that you know our, our brothers and sisters all around us are expressing all yeah. the time. Yeah. And it ex- it it is weird to exist in this space where it's like <clears throat> gun violence is a problem, guns are a problem, right? At the same time, like the hub is trying also trying to assist people who are dealing with gun charges. Yeah. Uh. So what is the solution i mean i've been thinking in the same way and this is connected i'll i'll bring it i'll bring it around again um, <laughs> so biden did his 100 day speech uh at this point a few days ago
0: and one of i don't of the- know why joe biden always cracks me up when he talks
1: you, what I what was your reaction I texted, to that? I
2: texted Bethany to get her to to, to uh-huh. watch it. I, I thought maybe she was watching it. I was like, I was like, your uncle, your uncle Joe's on NBC. <laughs>
0: no, you said your uncle's on, and I immediately <laughs> said, Oh, Joe Biden's talking. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I, okay. I knew why you were saying that. Uh-huh. Um, I think because now since Jim Carrey has done that impression of him, oh my God. every uh-huh. time I see Joe Biden, I'm like, I hope Jim's on Saturday Night Live this weekend. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, sorry.
1: Um well one of the one of the legislative achievements he touted was um the anti-Asian hate bill which did pass the Senate something crazy like 94 to 1 Who's that one by the way An uh, What's your deal Some Republican dude <laughs> Yeah
3: Um
1: so yeah it, it it's what what the bill the idea that the Senate could stand together against hate against anti-Asian violence is inspiring mm-hmm. however if you look at the 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 text of the bill it does things like give law enforcement authorities more leeway and more resources to mm-hmm. investigate hate crimes and make hate it makes hate crimes easier to prosecute it does allow for certain initiatives that i think are good like do, look, looking into the prevalence of hate crimes you know data right. collection that kind of thing but at the same time like Making hate crimes easier to prosecute. My mind goes back to a situation in Philly. I think it was last year. Last year, where uh, a pregnant Asian woman was assaulted. Oh, in that's Chinatown. right. I remember. That. Yes, but she was assaulted by a mentally ill homeless black woman. Mm. And uh, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the the author- like the 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 community in Chinatown, said, "Let's we that we're trying to push the Philadelphia." district attorney, if I remember correctly, Mm -hmm. they were trying to push the city into prosecuting this as a hate crime. Which, I mean... There's so much in there, isn't there? there Holy cow. Yeah. Like, do I I want Asians being beat up? Absolutely not. But is the solution to this situation a homeless black woman who has mental health issues, like, to prosecute her (sighs) More harshly than you ordinarily would, right? I like that. That doesn't seem like justice to me at all.
0: No,
2: and I, like, and the like the layer I was just like, this I was just really, it's just occurred to me is like, it probably feels really good in that community to like find someone mm-hmm. they can like have a little bit of power over because of the amount of times this has actually happened to them by people who can't be prosecuted,
1: yeah well, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because like we're both caught in these weird spaces mm-hmm. where there is something that we believe in and at the same time there's we're we're, we're up against something else uh where the solution doesn't seem to quite fit. Mhm. You know? Right. Um <laughs> yeah. So I want to talk about that. The the proposed solution to these problems we are bringing up, either guns or anti-Asian hate, in these situations is the same, which is criminalization and mm-hmm. prisons. Because what this country does consistently is use that blunt tool, right. the tool of policing and incarceration, to solve all its problems. Homeless people, throw them in jail. Mm-hmm. Drugs, throw them in jail. Guns, throw it in jail. Anti-Asian hate, let's put more people in jail. Right. So I I want to explore, uh, existing in that tension, I want to explore why is it that we believe that prisons are not the solution. Yeah. Because, like, basically what you said last episode, when, again, another tense space, the the trial of Derek Chauvin, where, yes, we believe he was guilty. Yes, we believe he should be convicted. But the solution apparently is prison. Right. How do we navigate that weird space? Mm Mm-hmm at where we believe in prison abolition uh but it seems like the only solution or it's it's the only solution that's available here
2: right
0: <laughs> i think we need to reconsider what we what we view as satisfactory right mm-hmm. like we are in a society in which vengeance is really like touted i feel Mm -hmm. like right Mm -hmm. and it isn't justice unless there's um some sort of like sweetness of vengeance in it i feel like we talked about this in the hell episode as well it's
1: definitely connected yeah Mm -hmm.
0: and i think until we really look into wanting to heal people Mm -hmm. as opposed to wanting to get vengeance against people i think we'll continue to default to throwing people in prison For Mm -hmm. me, prisons don't feel satisfactory because there's no healing that happens. Mm -hmm. How often do people, you know, and I have... Complicated feelings about what are considered to be crimes or like why people do crimes. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to just use the word crime for this instance. But like so many people get out of prison and go right back to the crimes that they were doing because prisons don't heal and prisons don't resolve the underlying and foundational issues that cause people to respond violently or I'm using air quotes criminally. Right. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Here's the con- – I was having a conversation with somebody earlier uh, where the the difficulty they, they pointed out was, um, okay, maybe prisons are not the perfect solution. Mm-hmm. But if it is the only tool that society affords us, what else can we do mm-hmm. <laughs> in the meantime? Mm-hmm. Uh, like Chauvin is convicted and in an ideal situation, in an ideal society, we would find – a more restorative way to punish Chauvin, mm-hmm. which wouldn't be a surprise because we'd used it so many times by this point.
0: What do you mean?
2: I mean, like in an ideal society. In an ideal mean? society, like right. he wouldn't stand out so much for what he did or how he was. It treated. wouldn't be surprised that he got convicted. You mean? Yeah. Okay. It wouldn't oh, okay. be or or even did. like or even like the thing we want to do with this person is we want to we want to figure out how to restore them. Mm-hmm. It'd be super weird if we started with Derek Chauvin.
3: Mm, yeah
1: <laughs> yeah it would be weird if we yeah. started. yeah definitely, um but I mean, what do we do in that situation when it seems like prison is the only tool available to us? maybe we do we go ahead and use it? I guess is the question
3: mm, mm-hmm.
0: I think we're left with no choice but to use it, mm-hmm. but I think we need to keep emphasizing that, like, yeah, this feels satisfactory right now, but the system is also weaponized against the very people that he killed right mm-hmm. he killed a black man George Floyd right um and that we should not get comfortable with this being our form and mechanism of justice
2: and even using the current formula of punishment as a deterrent if if you take that and apply it directly to policing it doesn't work for the week that chauvin was convicted there were four other police shootings right. of people under the age of 25 that week
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah it doesn't make
1: it doesn't actually do its job mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: imprisonment doesn't do its job it...
0: what do we even think the a, job of a prison is
2: well like on one hand i was think i was talking about it as a deterrent right like look how bad this is you would never want to go there so you you're like you would never do anything that horrible right but that doesn't really work that way.
0: (laughs) And it especially doesn't work that way in a society that like targets poor and black and Brown communities and strips them of their basic human rights, like Like, housing and food and mm -hmm. things like that. Right. So I don't know. I always think it's really ridiculous that prisons are a solution instead of like actually giving people their needs.
2: Right. And, and it's a method of deterrent by way of like terrorizing people
1: for, Long periods of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get. I think this is what I've been thinking about because I get stuck whenever I think about like, well, what can we do? What do we? What can we do instead? <laughs> I, I really do get stuck. Yeah. I, that that space is hard to exist in, and I think that's where lawyers live all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Because like, what can we do? What are the what can we get a case to the Supreme Court? Can we pass this or that law? And I think lawyers get stuck in that space. They do. Um. um
2: is this is this a moment to talk about the documentary? Uh, why not? What yeah. do you want to say? So I mean, like I because like this, I've been watching the um, the the. There's a documentary on PBS about Larry Krasner, mm-hmm. um, our current DA, who ran on a really progressive platform. Things like he was not going to recommend bail.
0: Motherfucking um, lie.
2: He was not going to. Um, uh-huh. Have the death
1: penalty, like as yeah. an option for his attorney. I want to mention that Beth. That aside, Beth, Beth isn't just saying that. That comes from right. her personal experience yeah. as a bail fund organizer. Right. Yeah. Um,
2: what I'm watching the documentary is like mm-hmm. inside people's offices and inside people's meetings in the DA's office yeah. as like this new um, regime <laughs> comes in with with Derry with with Krasner at the head. Mm-hmm. He he like fires thirty attorneys right off the bat on like the snowiest day of that year and they have to come in and pack up all their stuff it's uh mm-hmm. it's tragic and hilarious but the um, but I'm also just watching these attorneys struggle to operate under a different set of ideals mm-hmm. where they're not going to recommend the maximum charges like mm. which to them feels like a betrayal of the victims of mm-hmm. crimes. Mm-hmm. When on the other side, because we're talking – in this in this instance, we're talking about the juvenile unit specifically. And what we're talking about is not sending kids away who do things like steal $173 of merchandise from a Target and don't even get away with the merchandise before they're picked up. And then locked up for a year, and in the meantime, a family member of theirs passes away. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that's what we're talking about. Like, mm-hmm. don't recommend such a harsh sentence that you – ruin this kid's life and they have nowhere to go when they come out
0: and then they're more fucked up when they come out right? Yeah. like prisons cause yeah. way more harm to individuals and that's and a power to communities mm-hmm. than
2: uh, yeah
0: then a lot of things or even i don't know i don't want to get letters but sometimes i feel like more than the crime in this instance yeah more than the crime that's ever been committed right like mm-hmm. more than the harm that they um committed you know they get way more harm back and that just seems absurd to me and of course there are
2: real victims too like i don't want to discount that like target's an easy target is actually an easy target (laughs) 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 no no, nobody cares about your 173 dollars but like no people do get hurt people do get killed it's a like there's real brutality and there's real victims in Mm -hmm. these instances
1: well how do you reckon with that
2: yeah i mean I think that I think the problem has so much to do with this line we draw, where, like, because of our adversarial system, mm-hmm. like, we are we only care about the victims who were like who were hurt, for, and and the other side only cares about the people who are about to be victimized mm-hmm. by going deeper into this system and will never come out. Well, that's a horrible that's a horrible framework to shove people into who are lawyers. Mm. Like it's it's a terrible way to think about things. Mm-hmm. Like the whole framework is is fucked. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. if if that's the way we have to think about things to get some modicum of justice, well of course it's terrible for everybody. It's just a bad way to think about it in general.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Almost this like intense binary thinking. That yes. one person is wholly bad and one person is solely mm-hmm. good and we need to get um As much justice for this wholly good person.
1: Right. Mm, Okay. Well, leave that, and that is the adversarial system of justice. Yes. Um,
0: And binaries are never good.
1: Beth, I wanted to focus in on what you're saying about how prisons, even as a solution, are a bad solution that don't get us what we want and what they actually do. I think what you're saying about prisons actually causing more trauma than the trauma they're trying to address Mm -hmm. is significant. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm wrestling with is this from from my conversation earlier. Yeah, it's that um the for for this person the idea that there is hate crime legislation. One of the things that was frustrating about Atlanta was that after Atlanta, all the news media seemed to be downplaying the fact that there was a race element to this crime. Mm -hmm. Right. They were. Yeah, and that was incredibly frustrating. Because it it seemed like once again, the media was trying to erase Asians from existence and erase Asian pain and the right. fact that there was violence being inflicted on this community. So in a sense, prosecuting it as a hate crime and making an easy making it easier to do that feels like an acknowledgement for the victims, mm-hmm. in, including like just the Asian community mm-hmm. as victims. Yeah.
0: And, and for all the many years that, like, America has been shitty to Asian people oh my comfortably, gosh. Yeah. you know, I can, uh, I can understand the momentary sweetness of that legislation. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And the difficulty is, is like, it's hard from, it's hard for me as an Asian person, but as somebody who has also come face to face with the deep injustice of our carceral system to say, like, yeah, the solution is more prosecution and longer Because what happens if you're prosecuted for a hate crime is that your punishment is long, is harder, which in this country means like you get, you're in prison longer. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm trying to figure out like, why is it that, because I agree with you, Beth, that it's not an adequate solution and it's not in any way just.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And I guess that's what I'm, that's what I'm wrestling with. Like, how is it?
0: But what, what does justice look like? Yeah. Right. What
1: does justice look like? and i think the participants at the defense hub mm-hmm. are probably wrestling with the same thing yeah. there are so many mass shootings yeah uh, there's the problem is so vast uh, but so what does justice look like what can we do but pat but use the tools that we have to like ban assault rifles
2: right right and i think this is where we like this is like you like i can feel us all starting to like pause right because when we When we remove punishment as the means, we start having to think about how to address the individual um, shortcomings and the individual trauma that goes into these acts of violence. Um, these acts of theft, whatever, whatever the case is, all of a sudden we have to figure out how to treat that person who did something horrible as a person Mm -hmm. with the intent of not sending them away and not forgetting about them. That's way harder. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. But I think there are multiple steps before somebody commits a crime, right? Like that's something I've been on a few anti-violence panels recently And that's something that I keep emphasizing, Mm -hmm. right? Like, we are all living as a response. You know what I mean? Like, Mm. most of what we do is a response. (laughs) Yeah. We need to look at...
2: What the stimulus is? What? What the, like, stimuli are for that? Like, what are you responding to? Yeah, Yeah. right. Like
0: what is this per- what is this individual story and what is their community story right, right. because we're not only just dealing with individual trauma in-, in Philadelphia we're dealing with a collective trauma mm-hmm. like we have to take steps back before somebody commits a crime. You know, mm-hmm. oh, my parents have been telling me, when I think of collective trauma, mm-hmm. there is a collective black trauma in, Phila- in Philadelphia, specifically from the MOVE bombing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. from the time I can remember, my parents always talk to me about how our city dropped a bomb on our black asses.
2: And look and at that this week.
0: A, yeah. And that is a collective... Oh, and then they still have those children's yes.
3: bodies. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's... A different subject, but like okay. that's collective trauma. Yeah. Like the fact that so many kids have to go to these bullshit schools where they are, they don't even have the opportunity to settle down and get an education, that is collective trauma in that community. We need to fucking fund these schools instead of giving all these rich motherfuckers that build these ugly-ass gentrification houses 10-year <laughs> tax breaks. Right. We could be making so much money to invest in these schools instead of starting children's trauma yeah. from the time that they're in school. Like, I feel like there's so many things that we can do, and everybody just responds Everybody wants to talk about the response. Yeah. Right. You never want to talk Absolutely. about the underlying. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
1: Thank you. That. Until that totally refocuses us, because, for instance, in the example of the gun, in, in the gun example, for instance. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I've. I've been sitting here with, with this. I feel mean, like this, only uh, an attorney dude, would have this journal. stack. <laughs> that they stack
0: could actually go through.
1: I'm just trying to <laughs> remember what it is that I wanted to bring up, which is that, um, like, statistically speaking, uh uh even though, uh, statistically speaking, uh, black people are more likely to be stopped, arrested, charged, and convicted uh, for gun crimes, even if the, their rates of gun ownership are the same.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, similarly, same with weed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same with weed. In fact, the reason that um, the reason that a lot of these gun laws end up catching com- people, members of communities of color, is often because gun laws prohibit people who have had. You know, like a misdemeanor, controlled substance crime, from right. owning a, f- a firearm, and of course, where like who are the who who is suffering from the war on drugs? Obviously, communities of color. So the whole thing compounds on itself. Right. Mm-hmm. Addressing gun legislation at the point of somebody owning a gun, there are other questions that you should be asking, and other reforms that need to be made before you say like, let's make guns. Let's criminalize the ownership of guns. Mm-hmm. The system has to be equitable before you. Before you pass these laws that are going to be enacted inequitably,
2: yeah. I mean, I just like, I was sitting here thinking about like, I come home with a gun to my like, I like, I'm I'm in, I'm back at home with my parents and like like find find a gun in my bag. They're gonna start asking all these why questions. Like that's mm-hmm. just the basics of like caring.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: right. I, I,
0: I'm laughing because I thought of a story. I remember I was dating what? this guy when I first moved to Philly, yeah. and he. Like, he didn't bring his gun to this, uh, we went to a strip club. He didn't bring his gun to this, like, low-key hood strip club with him. (laughs) But he gave me a talk as to prevent him from having to need a gun, right? So he was like, all right, you soft, so I'm not bringing my gun. I know you wouldn't like that. Don't look at people too long. Don't talk to people for too long. Somebody say something smart to you, come get me. Don't say nothing back to them. <laughs> like, he gave me oh, wow. this, I won't have my gun talk. <laughs> but there was preparation uh-huh. to go into this space no. if he didn't have a gun on him. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget that because he told me I was softer than baby. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I,
1: I mean, but there are reasons that he thought, there, there are reasons in, him, in his life that he didn't feel safe without a gun.
0: Mm-hmm. And right. I did go into the strip club and it was a wild strip club. Mm-hmm. It was weird. Okay. And then, and then one stripper was like eating a platter of food and leaning on a guy's shoulder I was like, this is, a, this is a peculiar strip club where the strippers just stop dancing and just hang out with the guys. This is this is a little weird." Okay. Good times in my early 20s.
1: I guess um what was like where was it going with this? Uh I mean, we're all involved in prison abolition in different ways. But yes. you're in, you're involved, you, you work with the bail fund. Chris, Mm -hmm. you're with participatory defense. Right. Um, You're with up against the law. I think it's easy to get stuck on what are the practical reasons certain things won't work. And why should we rely on the tools that we have because it's the only tool that we have. I think it can be much more productive to imagine what is is the alternative that we're actually trying to build. Sure, sure. Like do we want to just bail out people? ad infinitum probably not no
0: i don't want to have yeah. to bail people out for the rest
3: <laughs>
2: right? of like, my life do i want to support people through the court system ad nauseum no mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah
0: i want to see things implemented foundationally i keep saying this i honestly think that like philadelphia needs re- to provide its black residents with reparations mm. like but philly ain't got no fucking money mm. and pennsylvania hates us uh, yeah
1: but let like don't don't limit yourself with why oh, something won't work. look how Let's...
0: quick i did that yeah and we've seen, like, the gov- remember, we've mm-hmm. had these conversations mm-hmm. about reparations, mm-hmm. and I think it was you, you were like, oh, I don't really think I can right. see this happening. And then the government gave all of yeah, us gave everybody thousands money. of dollars yeah. over the last year. So yeah. you're right. It's weird how quickly it's like, that'll never happen.
2: Mm-hmm. Right, right. So that's what I want to And see. then you see how easy it happened, and you're like, well, what took you so mm-hmm. long? So So we're like what would what would we rather see than this than this way of doing things? Mm-hmm. I'm I don't know, like I'm definitely with you, Beth. Like so much of so much of what we're talking about is a response to um to actions that have deep deep roots. Violence. Yeah. And and yeah, like why not take all this money for prisons and invest directly in people so they don't So they aren't met with these Mm -hmm. like deep traumas because of what they have to survive, Mm -hmm. like poverty, Mm -hmm. like, okay. And healthcare, like, Mm -hmm. can we just, where, why don't we just let everybody go to the doctor in the hospital when they need to? Mm -hmm. Like, what, what world is this where like, you have to have all these protections, like before you can get hit by a, a bus or else you just you're just screwed in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we we could we could take the money for policing and prisons and our military and reinvest them
3: mm-hmm.
2: in in the basic needs of people in a way that isn't about what they've done to deserve it, mm-hmm. which the, would be the turn we are making. Like this is also the turn in justice because. It's not about what you deserve, according to such and such rule. Like mm-hmm. it's basic, and we basic care about you. Yeah. So we're we're going to commit to caring mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. It's very socialist. I I hear it, but also it's
3: what?
1: compassionate.
0: What's wrong with socialism? I who don't you, know. Who are you like, responding to? Yeah, Sometimes, Chris, I to?
2: feel
1: like you're talking to people. So, I know. I don't know who's listening. Yeah. Who is? Chris is talking to? In you. any
2: case, yeah, it is, and and it's like. Because it's also like, it's also the way we care about people we love without all these hoops mm-hmm. to send them through. Mm-hmm.
0: I almost said Gritty's a socialist. So <laughs> not actually true. <laughs> it's only in my imagination. unconfirmed.
1: It's true in all of our imaginations. <laughs> yes. Gritty is our favorite anarchist. Um, I I mean I I think uh, it is it is very easy for us to immediately correct yeah, I did ourselves. The same thing. Wait, what? With like, oh, oh yeah. it's a socialism! Holy crap! Yeah, it's it is very easy for us to tell ourselves why why things won't work. We have yeah. a reflex yeah. to do that, and I I think um, that's why I'm asking us to, like, what is it that what is this alternative that we we can envision, yeah. including in the tough questions that the hub is asking about gun control, mm-hmm. for instance, that um, the only solution to guns is. Uh, more legis is anti-gun legislation that criminalizes right. the behavior. Right. Because if all we do is reach for the closest solution, criminalization, prisons—what we've always known—right, which are extremely inadequate tools, as we know, because they are um, inflicted against communities of color in unfair ways. Yeah, because our justice system is deeply broken and sends and is bad at figuring out who actually performed, did a crime, or catching people who did crimes Just broken top to bottom because because sentences are deeply unjust and Mm -hmm. are not tailored to fit in any way whatsoever. Um, Because the prison system is so unjust, what are ways that we can address these problems that would be more just? For instance, if you were to go back to the hub and have this conversation, what are the reforms that could be... What are, what are ways of approaching the gun problem that don't end up with more black and brown people in prison with that don't end up with more people coming through the hub right. because there was a gun in their car or something? Right. <laughs> Thinking
0: of Jesus and Zacchaeus um, and how like when Jesus, when Zacchaeus met Jesus He was so overcome that, like, he came up with the solution. Yeah. So I wonder if an alternative is, like, there's work that I do um, called Transformative Justice. Mm -hmm. um, And a practitioner of transformative justice that I really admire is Miriam Kaba. She's from New York. I believe she's from Brooklyn. um, But I'm not exactly sure. Um, But one of one of the practices that she teaches is forming um, like pods, right? Mm-hmm. So you form a pod of support for the person who experienced harm, but you also form a pod of support for the person who caused the harm. Mm-hmm. And these mm-hmm. two support groups um, form community around these people and communicate with one another, not the person that caused the harm and the person who experienced harm Mm -hmm. but like their communities communicate with each other communicate the person who experienced harm's needs communicate the person who caused the harm's needs Mm -hmm. and come up with a solution yeah yeah Yeah. i want to see actual yes you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. in in the vein of Like Zacchaeus being like, "Hey, like I fucked up. Like Mm -hmm. I'm gonna pay this back. What does he say? Seven times or something? Something like that. Significant number in the Bible. Yeah. But I want to see people saying what they can give to pay Mm penance, and I can see. I want to see people who experienced harm saying what they need to feel satisfied.
2: Precisely. And and what you're describing, like it's coming from a place where like the the people forming around. the the two, like the victim and the the victimizer, not great words, but like the people forming around them are just, are are loving them to a place where they independently come up with a solution Mm -hmm. or like, maybe not even independently, but like they are compelled through like being cared about
1: in a different way.
0: Love and humanity. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
2: like whether or not they come up with a solution, they want to
1: do something different. Yes. And what's beautiful about a restorative justice solution like that is that it is transformative. more transformative it, it's like one oh, okay. step
0: beyond restorative. beyond restorative yeah. not only
1: not yeah not just restorative but transformative justice um is that it is more just than prison mm-hmm. yeah it, it, it satisfies more of the requirements of justice the 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 victim uh the 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 perpetrator is able to make restitution. Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe we should use the word, I like person-first language, so mm-hmm. I always say the person who experienced harm and the person who caused yeah, harm. Yeah,
1: let's mm-hmm. do that. Let's Does do that. Does that feel comfortable? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, in Sorry fact, to be picky. You don't have to be. I mean, you don't, you don't have to apologize. I, yeah. th- talking about using per- person-first language is somewhere in my giant packet. <laughs> um the person, who, the, the person who has caused harm has the opportunity to restore. Mm-hmm. There is restitution being made. There is reform being made. There is, the community is allowing this person, is holding the person accountable. So they, are, they aren't free to just go off and harm other people. Um, it is, and also the punishment is perfectly tailored to the crime. Because the community is coming up with it, and the two individuals are working it out mm-hmm. it, in terms of what justice is for this circumstance. Mm-hmm. It's not just a mandatory sentence uh, that is imposed on them. Um, it r- satisfies more of the requirements of justice than yeah than our than the prison system.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I was just thinking about the system as it is and like the little things like that, that could be done on the way and. Okay, so, like, we leave pres- prisons B, but the people in the prisons, like, the people who are already working for corporations, like, when they're released, they get a job. They're, they're, they're put to the front of the line at those same places. Like, they are prioritized. Or um, all that jobs training they get, like, they get hired by their, by their city and state government if they don't find a job. Like, and again, they're at the front of the line. Like, they're recognized for paying for whatever they did with their time the way that they really aren't. Like, you serve your time and then you're still stigmatized when yep. you get out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, there's no such thing as served your time in reality. Like, you're going to come out and people aren't going to hire you. People aren't going to, to let you live in their, in their housing. Hmm. Um. All that has to go. Like, we have to recognize that the crime has been paid. Mm-hmm with the system as it is Mm -hmm. like we need to at least start there (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's a good point too
0: because the punishment never ends
1: it never ends one of the things that struck me as i was reading about this was the difference between people who are looking at abolition and people who are looking at reform Mm -hmm. because a lot Mm -hmm. of times especially in the short term the goals are the same but uh one thing that they that was highlighted was the fact that as abolitionists we are co- we constantly have we're constantly looking at the horizon of abolition that's always what we're l- looking toward mm-hmm. so we are trying to avoid things that make that increase power to prisons in the short term so for instance we might agree with reformers that uh conditions in prison that there might be a, a significant amount of poor conditions in prison yeah. for instance overcrowding
2: or like not having water. well among other things <laughs> sure you can you, you go on and on yeah. but
1: like and a potential solution to that yeah. to to uh, you know prison overcrowding for instance might be to build another prison or we'll build more prisons mm-hmm. however as prison abolitionists we resist solutions that are going to give prisons more power in the short term that will yeah. that will make it harder for us to abolish prisons mm-hmm. down the road, <laughs> right? Um, so, I mean, for me, for instance, looking at a solution, l- looking at for instance hate crime legislation and anti Asian hate, even though I am like I am conflicted about this, mm-hmm. like the idea of for instance creating a hotline to report. Uh, attack attacks I think that's great the idea of giving law enforcement more leeway to put more people to prosecute more people I'm less about that because I'm trying to keep the horizon of abolition in mind mm-hmm. so I guess the, I, let's let's end really quick h- here by addressing this and I think this will probably connect to our faith how do we keep the horizon in mind mm-hmm. because I think as people of faith I'd like to think that we're well practiced in in having our in in lifting up our eyes Mm -hmm. yeah
0: for me i um i think i've mentioned this several times before but i've just been having a hard time emotionally Mm -hmm. and one of the prayers that i've been praying when i feel myself getting really emotionally activated is lord have mercy on me and my suffering and i think of that when it comes to people who have committed crimes or are incarcerated right like you were probably suffering, right? Mm-hmm. You were probably suffering is why you made the choice that you mm-hmm. did. And Lord, have mercy on you. There needs to be mercy. I think yeah. of God's mercy and sweetness. Um, yeah, that, I don't know, that helps me look at the horizon. Yeah. Being reminded of God's mercy on me.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I, I sit with a lot are my my fears. Um, I it's really easy for me in, in one sense to, to talk about this as someone who's never felt that they were a victim of a, of a crime. And I, I, I sort of like, I take that into account too. Like I, I want to like, I, I sometimes I just put myself in the position of like something bad has happened to me. Do I still want this? So I can keep it actually, it just like, I'm I'm trying to like, um, <laughs> abstractly create some, um, resilience around wanting something, even if something bad happens to me.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really, it's it's really abstract, but like that's, that's one of the things I try and, and keep my mind on is like part of what makes this easy for me at this point is it's nothing bad has happened to me. And I have to be ready for that too. Mm-hmm. If I really, really want this, mm-hmm. I really like for the, for the person who hasn't harmed me yet, but who might, I have to want that mercy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I always come back to um, when Jesus quotes Isaiah at at the synagogue in Nazareth when he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. And what strikes me, what has been striking me as I have been thinking about this passage, because I feel like we do come back to it a lot because it's like, the the big liberation text mm-hmm. uh is when Jesus says um freedom for the prisoners
3: mhm
1: i want to know when i think about jesus saying freedom for the prisoners i understand that jesus is talking about a freedom for the prisoners that satisfies justice you know mm-hmm. what are what is the world's that we can build, yeah. where freedom for prisoners means mean where that is justice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the world that I'm trying to work toward. That mm-hmm. w- we're all trying to work toward, mm-hmm. because we're not trying to subvert justice. Right. We're not trying to hurt victims. Yeah. B- by letting oppressors off the hook, and I'm sorry, I'm using prison for. <laughs> we're not trying to hurt people who've already been hurt. By not holding accountable people who have hurt other people, mm-hmm. we're not trying to let anybody off the hook, right. We're trying to hold people accountable in ways that are more just, yes, yeah um and and more in line with a God who is saving and freeing and restoring, yeah, yes. that's what we're really talking about, mm-hmm. so that's what I try to concentrate on when I think about the horizon, yeah. So um, we like to end our podcast by talking about whatever we're into this week. Beth, you want to kick us off?
0: Sure. So last week I said my Philadelphian's antidepressant was a hoagie. This (laughs) week I actually started taking an antidepressant. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that mental health is really important in the black community. So that's part of the reason why I'm talking about this. But I started taking Zoloft and it has really helped – really helped to mellow out uh, the intensity of the emotions that I've been experiencing over the last six months. I've had a lot of different things happen to me personally, in addition to being in a global pandemic, um, which is already a baseline stressor. Mm-hmm. So I'm into Zoloft and I'm into black girls taking care of their mental health, even if it does include um, taking medication. Mm-hmm. I'm also into tapping. It is a healing practice. Okay. Um, And it's kind of on the same, it's kind of in the same vein as, um, what is it, EMDR, right? Oh, yeah. You can do certain things with your body and it'll help you process um, trauma. Hmm. So in addition to uh, the medication that I started taking, I've also been doing a lot of tapping. Um, So if you all are interested in that, look it up. There are really good videos on YouTube.
2: Oh, cool. Right on. Um. I found out that that one of my I don't know, I really like Melissa Villaseñor. Do you guys know who she is? She's a comedian on oh, SNL, yeah. great impressionist, quirky. Um, I really like that that she's like. There's got this like gray streak of bangs that I think is pretty cute. <laughs> um, she is also a sketch artist, like like she draws and oh, she like um, I I was just like watching a at like a late show where she was on and she was talking about her Instagram art and it's, it's adorable. <laughs> it's uh Melissa, Melissa V comedy is her Instagram handle. And yeah,
1: it's cute. Oh, nice. Awesome. I do like her on SNL. She's fun. Yeah. Um, I am into a book that Wes has lent me um, by a theologian named Andrew S. Park called the wounded heart of God, the Asian concept of Han and the Christian doctrine of sin. Basically, what this book does is go into this uh, Asian concept, specifically this Korean concept um, of Han, which is difficult to translate, but is a kind of bitterness and bad blood and an emotional black hole that is Mm. born out of being wounded. Mm. And the book talks about how it can be personal, but it can also be collective. Mm. Mm -hmm. And the book has really helped me contextualize like, some of the ways that I feel hurt but also help me recognize like um like when there were uprisings last summer property was being destroyed because there was collective grief like that Mm -hmm. was Mm -hmm. like that's an expression of of this woundedness Mm, Uh, collective wounding yeah Yeah. exactly and like this idea of this as a result of sin but a different word in order to distinguish the effect of sin um I think it's just I've been really into it into this book Mm. and uh so that's, that's what I'm into. Cool. Cool. Um, a special thanks to Joe Mahoney, our audio engineer, and yeah, yeah, Joe. to uh, Luke Bartolomeo, who um, is our website manager, and also to Tess Patino, who is our social media goddess. Yes. That's,
3: that's <laughs> her official
2: title. Yes,
1: we love Tess. Uh, and also to Jared Selby, who does our theme song.
0: And if you all are interested in talking back to us, go to our website, colorcorrectionpodcast.com and drop us a line. And with that, stay black, Little Mermaid.